irritation, the more we act on it, the bigger it gets. It's not that we want to ignore it, but it's that we want to see it like anxiety as a messenger. It is a skill of adulthood to hold it, to see is this something that's actually important, but also when we don't speak it in that moment, it tends to die down eventually. Welcome to Gathering Gold, a podcast for highly sensitive souls. I'm Cheryl Paul, a counselor trained in the Jungian depth psychological tradition. And I'm Victoria Russell, Cheryl's niece and co-host. Cheryl, I'm very excited about the topic of today's episode, which might sound funny because we're talking about irritation. And irritation is not necessarily a, a topic that one might think one would get excited about, but <laughs> I think that it's very under-talked about. It's a feeling that I think we can actually build so much around if we feel irritation in response to our partner, or if you're a parent, maybe your child, or even a friend, or your own parent or sibling, people that we care about deeply, and that can often get very triggered out in the wild with strangers, like the way someone's driving, the way someone is humming in line behind you. It's this feeling that can come up so often, and we can immediately judge ourselves for it. Mm-hmm. Not always, but especially if it's in response to someone that we love. We might very quickly be like, oh, why did I have that you know, thought or that feeling towards my child or my partner or my sister or whoever that I love so much. Like, what does that say about me? You know, I think mm-hmm. that irritation is kind of on the, on the spectrum of anger. It's like the, on the way mild end of the spectrum of anger. And anger is something that I think a lot of people, if not most people really struggle with knowing how to relate to or manage, whether it's feeling completely disconnected from anger or getting really swept up by anger or just having been taught that it wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. So with all of this in mind, you know, especially as we go into the month of February with Valentine's Day coming up and all these messages about romance and what is less romantic than being irritated or annoyed by your partner. And yet (laughs) it's so common, right? So I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited that we're talking about it right now. And I am excited to hear your story about irritation and how it came up in the realm of of parent-child relationships for you recently. Mm -hmm. Mm. Great intro. Episode done. Like you've just said it (laughs) all. Thank (laughs) you. I will share that story. And... What I want to underscore up front is what you just said, that it is a part of everyday life, maybe not every single day, but it's such a common part of life. And it is under talked about. There's shame around it. And it's so common that recently, I don't pay much attention to the back end of my website and Google searches and all that, but recently my web guy sent me a page from a Google analytics. And he's like, I thought you might find this interesting that the most 
searched for or clicked on or something posts, like my most popular posts is the one about irritation. Mm. Um, when you feel irritated with your partner or something like that, we can link to it. There's a couple of them. And so what does that tell you? Of all my hundreds, if not thousands of posts, yeah, the most popular post by far is the one on irritation. So that tells you people are searching for this. They're trying mm. to get reassurance. Is this normal? That was in the context of relationship anxiety and intimate partnership. But of course it comes up everywhere else in life. I think in that realm, we carry a particular shame. Like I sh if I feel irritated with my partner, it means I'm not in love. They're not the right person. There's something wrong. I should never be irritated. And my cut through for that is if you were spending this much time with anybody else in your life, your mom, <laughs> your sister, your friend, would you get irritated with them? Do you feel irritated with them? Well, yeah, sure, of course. But we do make more room for that, I think, with other relationships, even though there still might be some shame response of, I love this person so much, why am I feeling irritated? But we have very little room for it in romantic partnership. And we assign all kinds of interpretations then of what it, we think it means. I think we know that it comes up in parent-child relationships. Of course we know that, but there's still a shame response, especially for mothers who are living with this current expectation that we are supposed to be Gaia Earth mothers. Yeah. And yeah. Ohm, never get irritated with our child. Gentle, and gentle. Gentle parenting. Gentle, <laughs> gentle parenting. What's underneath that for you, sweet? love of my life, darling <laughs> child. Yeah, a great approach when you can do it. There is no possible way that you are not going to get not only irritated, but angry mm -hmm. with your child. It is if you are engaged, if you're a totally disconnected parent, withdrawn, checked out, sure. But if you're engaged, you are going to get the whole spectrum of irritation to angry with your child. And sometimes it's a big anger that comes out. So we know it's normal and yet we still feel bad when it happens. And some of the feeling bad is we don't want to hurt anybody and being on the other end of irritation feels really crappy. Yeah. Like it's, it's a ouch. It's a it's a dart. It's an arrow that comes. It's so sharp. It hurts. So it's this tricky dance of, yes, we want to make room for it and know that it's going to come up in our most intimate relationships and yes, out in the world, but probably the other person's never going to know about when you get irritated, whatever someone's doing in their car. Um, so to make room for it and be compassionate to ourselves and know that it is so incredibly human and also be working with some tools and skills for perhaps more effective ways of trying to communicate what might be a message in those moments and what might just be normal human irritation. So Asher and I were in the car on the way to school the other day and like most parents, I ask a lot of questions and I'm curious and I want to know what's going on in my children's lives. 
And he got irritated with me like four times. So I think I had probably asked like four questions and each time he got irritated. And I was thinking I could respond in this moment with irritation. I could just get irritated back and that would be okay. That's also a human response. Like, you know, again, we're not all Zen Buddhist master Dalai Lama, Gaia Earth Mothers in every moment. I mean, I am, but I know (laughs) most people aren't. (laughs) So in that moment, I thought, okay, let me just slow down my reaction and see if I can understand what he's communicating. He's communicating something important to me. It's actually not that hard to figure out. He doesn't like these certain types of questions. They irritate him. And he is irritated because he has told me this many times and I'm not listening. And so there's value in his communication. He is, there is some micro boundary violation there. He has told me, don't ask me these kinds of questions. And here I am asking him these kinds of questions. So I'm thinking all this through in the car. It's a short drive to school. So with Asher, like most teenagers, you know, on the very basic level, he does not like when he gets in the car after school and we say, how is your day? <laughs> and truthfully, that's a pretty freaking irritating question, right? I mean, how is your day? Like, what does that even mean? It's, it's irritating. I get it. We do not ask that question anymore. That has been made very clear. <laughs> we do not ask that question Um, I read on some parenting blog, I don't remember whose it was, that a much better response when your kid gets in the car is, it's so nice to see you. Mm. Yeah. That's that's it. If they want to share, they're going to share. So I'm so happy to see. And that's the truth, right? The truth is I get happy every single time. Same with Everest. Every single time I see my kid, I'm like, there's my kid, you know, and I'm so happy that he's going to get in the car. And yeah, I would love to know something about his day, but I'm just happy that he's, that he's here and I get to sit with him on the car ride home. And if it's in silence, okay, it's in silence. We're at least we're together. Um, so I I was thinking about all this and then I texted you, Victoria, and I texted you basically this whole story and saying, I I think this is an important topic to flesh out together. You know, all these different layers of, of irritation, annoyance. Um, I wonder if those two words mean anything different from each other being getting irritated or if they have a different resonance, like a different connotation. Like, mm. is it okay to be annoyed, but it's not okay to be irritated? Mm. I think we all know that humans can be really annoying ourselves. include Like, we are yes. just annoying. Like, can we just, like, embrace that? <laughs> I can annoying. feel myself be annoying to Martin sometimes. Like, I'm, like, I'm being annoying right now. You know, he's not really <laughs> reacting, but I'm, like, huh. I used to feel more you know, all these ways about when I found Martin irritating or annoying, I was so worried about like what that could mean. And then as I started to just accept it more and even I would talk about it with him and he was like, I find you annoying sometimes. (laughs) And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so good to hear because 
I've never doubted for a second that he adores me and yes. he doesn't really like act on the annoyance or irritation. I mean, sometimes, of course, he's human, but I think he just readily accepts it. Like he's like, mm. yeah, of course, like you're going to get mm. annoyed at your partner, this person you spend time with. So very rarely he'll say like, I'm feeling annoyed with you right now. And I'm like, I kind of am tickled by that. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> I, I like that. And then I'll go, oh, yeah, I am the like that. That I can understand why that would be annoying. And having that openness, like the openness that you had to Asher, it takes a lot of safety in the relationship and in your sense of self to yes. take a step back and be like, yeah, I can take that. Like, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person or anything, but let me have some curiosity around that. Like, that is such an important skill to have. So important. And I think it hinges on exactly those two things, to have enough trust and safety in the relationship and enough of a sense of self that you can tolerate what feels like an ouch or a rejection of you. And you could go to that rejected shame place, or you could step into a different part of you and say, what's the communication, right? What's underneath the irritation? Am I being annoying, right? <laughs> And sometimes the other person is just annoyed with everything and you're not doing anything. And certainly if yes. you have a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. Like you could literally just be standing there and they can <laughs> bark at you. And I'm like, I really don't think I'm doing anything annoying right now. Like I literally just offered to make you some food. I don't think that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I love that you brought the example of asking how was your day? Because I remember being a teenager receiving that question, that very well-intentioned question. Mm -hmm. But even now, I do sometimes feel a little flicker of irritation at that question. And I ask it myself. I'm not judging anyone. It's mm -hmm. very normal. But I, I think when you are a highly sensitive person, a deeply feeling person, you know, Asher's probably been at school for eight hours or something. Yes. It's like, I don't, you know, when you see someone for the first time in weeks or months and they're like, so how have you been doing? And it's like, I can't even answer that question about the last hour, let alone <laughs> the last six months. Like it's, it's almost overwhelming to try to, yes, yes, to answer. And it feels like I just want to be seen or held right now. If I'm going through something hard or I want to be able to give an authentic answer and it's so hard to boil it down. I think there's something mm. about being deeply feeling that can make that question hard. Mm. And the the flicker response is like that flicker of irritation. But I think there is like a deeper longing for mm. something else, whether it is like wanting space to process how you're doing before you have to report to someone else about it or yes. actually really wanting connection and just being like, I can't get connection through that question right now. Yes. It reminds me of our episode, two of our episodes, one on the pause and one on deep conversations and how what you just said, sometimes I just want to be held in whatever space I'm in without all the words, right? Like it's too many words. 
And I think highly sensitive people do get overwhelmed. We do get, I don't think, we get overwhelmed, we get overstimulated. And so, yes, Asher's been in school all day. He's been up since 6.30 in the morning. The last thing he wants to do is talk about school after he's been in school all day. Of course, I get that 100%. And also to be around other people all day, and not just Asher, but any teenager, any highly sensitive person. So to be a, for the other person to be aware of what's happened before this moment and what might be needed in this moment might not be any words at all, right? So these are all really important nuanced layers of exploring what might be underneath somebody's communication of getting irritated and then even, and our own to be just as curious. What is underneath my irritation? Is there something important or is it just, I'm tired, hungry, etc. Right. And I'm just hormonal. I'm having a harder day. Everything is heightened, but the hormonal thing I want to, I want to address a little bit because in our culture, we write a lot of things off for women is, oh, that's just their hormones, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you must be PMSing, like mm-hmm. as if the communication is not real, as if there's no value. It's mm-hmm. all, we can just all write it all off as hormones when I think a lot of times our hormones only amplify and make us hear something more clearly that we've been able to shut down mm-hmm. or mute the rest of the month. Um, now for somebody struggling with relationship anxiety, I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, but I'm so much more irritated with my partner when I'm before my period. So that must mean, no, it means that you're more in tune with what might be underneath the relationship anxiety, what might be underneath some places inside of you that are needing attention, some grief or fear or vulnerability. And so when we go underneath the irritation Whatever else might be going on, there might be a little kernel of truth in there. And then we have to allow for the also the possibility that we just get irritated sometimes and it's just part of being human. Yeah. I'm curious if you have any specific examples of when you know you're being irritating. Like, is there any things that you know <laughs> you do that are, or you're like, oh, yeah, I know I'm being irritating right now? I think. Hmm. Sometimes if Martin maybe is in that, that place of he had a long day at work or whatever, and he's just trying to process the day and he maybe needs a little alone time. And I'm just in a different headspace of like, I'm so excited to see you. How's everything going? Like, talk with me, play with me, play with me, you know? And there's no bad intent on either side of that. It's just yes. being in two very different head spaces and needing different things or wanting different things in that moment. Yes. We, we do this voice sometimes where we can both be really chatty and sometimes the other one isn't in the mood for that. And we'll just start going, like we start, we'll be talking like that. And then we'll just stop ourselves and be like, and we just acknowledge like, oh, I'm in this chatty mode right now. And you are trying to like have some quiet, have some space. Yes. 
as you were talking and then you said it yourself, I was feeling puppy, dog, and kitty cat <laughs> energy. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of irritation happens in those moments when one person is is feeling puppy dog and one person is in their cat self. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a lot of cat, but I think with my kids, I get much more eager. Yeah. And, and puppy dog and like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I want to know everything. And I understand how off-putting that can feel because – I have a lot of the other side of it of I'm just doing my own thing here, you know, yes. and I don't really want to be bothered. And so I think another aspect of irritation, and I wonder if this comes up for women more than men, is having a hard time expressing what you're needing in a particular moment. And so it comes out as irritation. So yes. an example would be I'm immersed in something. I'm in the house. I'm immersed in something, I'm writing or I'm engaged in something, usually I'm writing, and Dave will come in and I feel myself tense because I do not want to be interrupted and I don't know how to say, or I haven't known how to say, it's better now, I'm, I'm in a moment, please don't interrupt me. And he would totally get it. Like He's a creative yes. artist. Like He would totally get it. But that's been remarkably difficult. And so what would then come out is he would say something and I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like short snippy. or snippy, annoyed, irritated. But am I irritated that he's coming in or I'm irritated that my voice is nowhere to be found? Right. Yes. And so what comes out is irritation at him but that's not really fair. Now, could he also tune in and see that I'm immersed in something and give me space? And he does. Like, I mean, these are things that we've learned over years and years and years of these subtle, kind of subtle moments of really tuning in to where the other person is at in terms of availability for connection. Yes. It's much more common that I am the cat and Martin is the puppy and I can be irritable. And it's funny because when you were telling the story about being on vacation in Mexico recently for our mm -hmm. bonus episode, and you mentioned how when you, up, when you go on vacation as a family, Everest will often be like, what are we doing? What are we doing? When you said that, I felt irritation in my body. And wow. I, I don't mean anything against Everest. Like, I hope, I hope that doesn't <laughs> come off of as... Of course, not at all. But I can just feel the sense of overwhelm that I would feel mm. with that. And that does come up with me and Martin sometimes because he's much more like full of energy, wants to experience so much. And for me, there's often like, I might get anxious, like, oh no, like Everest is going to want to go you know, snorkeling or scuba diving and I'm afraid and I don't want to, I just, I don't want to deal with it. Like mm, sometimes mm. the irritation comes from you are making me deal with anxiety or fear and I don't want to leave me in my little dark closet of mm. <laughs> security and isolation where I don't mm. have to deal 
with mm. whatever you are presenting this joy and curiosity and wanting to engage with the world and I'm anxious and fearful. And so sometimes that will come out as irritability yes. or sometimes it is just, I need more downtime. I need yes. alone time. So your energy of go, go, go is now rubbing up with my energy of like, slow down. Yes. I have such a perfect solution I just came up with. You and, <laughs> oh, you and Martin, <laughs> you and Martin need to come on vacation with our family. <laughs> and then the puppy dogs, Martin and yeah. Everest can go adventuring yeah. and doing their thing. And the cats can lie in the hammock. Oh, and the cats <laughs> can lie in the hammock and read our books and occasionally look over and be like, hi, Victoria. <laughs> well, and the, the beauty of it is the invitation to go out more and to share in some of that curiosity. And like so you told beautiful. the story of going out and going snorkeling with him and being like, that was incredible. That's the invitation. It's just, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about maybe women, people in general, but maybe more frequently women struggling to express needs. Yes. And so the balance can just get off kilter. Another aspect to irritation that is important to name, there's so many layers that we've already named, which is the connection to control, which is part of what you're, you're speaking to, fear and control. Yeah. And it can come out in bigger ways. Like I don't want to leave my comfort zone and go on that hike or go snorkeling or whatever it is, or just travel at all. But in the everyday ways, so living with a partner, right? And let's say around household chores, for example, I think is a very common way that in general, not always, women tend to get irritated with their male partners. Yeah. And sort of breaking this down, part of it, I think, is we want things the way we want things, right? And we have a very specific way that we want certain things like, I don't know, the dishwasher, for example. <laughs> that wasn't right in the front of my mind. <laughs> I mean, surely we're the only two women who care about how the dishwasher is stacked. Yeah. And yet, if you're going to have a harmonious relationship for the most part, there are a lot of times when it is a very important skill to zip the lip, not say anything in those moments when you're heightened and it feels volcanic inside of you, like you're going to erupt and say something really nasty and hurtful. And at the same time, if it is something really important, if it does really matter to at a later time when you're feeling more regulated and some days have passed to assess is how important is this thing, right? And if it is important, 
how can I bring it up in a way that the other person is actually going to hear? Because as much as we would like somebody to be able to hear us when we snap and bark, it's it's also a human response to contract yeah. or snap back. And not a lot of not a lot of productivity in terms of communication happens when people are triggered. We know this. And so that's an interesting dance and an important one in close relationships. And it could be with a roommate. It could be with anybody, right, that you are living with that, I mean, living, sharing a space, Oof. right, It's asks a lot of us. It yeah. really does ask a lot of us to be able to share space with somebody because we are invariably wired in very different ways. There's no way you're going to do things the exact same way to the same specifications that we have built into us and how to manage that. And then if you add a couple of kids to the mix, it's exponentially Mm. more challenging to stay regulated, to watch how often the irritation does show up, right? And then to be discerning about what needs to be expressed and what needs to be held. But I've often wondered if women do get annoyed more than men because I I do plenty of annoying things. <laughs> and Dave, like Martin, I'm sure feels annoyed, but doesn't say anything. Mm. And I don't think it really bothers him all that much. They're not major things. I'm thinking like how I leave my shoes all over the house or, yeah. you know, like yeah. that's pretty annoying. You know, I literally just leave my shoes wherever I happen to take them off and they'll be under my, the desk in my kitchen. They'll be at the back door. They'll be at the bottom of the stairs. Like they'll be any old place. <laughs> and Dave will either just ignore it or he'll just pick up my shoes and put them where they belong. And I don't know if he feels irritated or not, actually. I've never asked him. I'm going to ask him after this episode. I'll I'll report back. But it seems like, I don't know, maybe it just, those things bother men. Like that's not the most important thing that women in general are more detail oriented. I mean, I certainly know plenty of men who want things the way they want things. I mean, Everest is actually one of those. Like he does get annoyed when our house is messy or, you know, whatever the dra- kitchen drawer is messy. And we had a whole thing once he was like, Oh my God, this drawer is so messy. And I was like, well, then clean it out, you know? And he did. And it was beautiful for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until you know, everything starts getting collected back in there. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I just wonder if it has to do with some of the gender conditioning and expectations around like women just feeling more generally speaking, because I know I have a friend whose father is like Danny Tanner on the show full house in the nineties was like super neat freak, just always cleaning the house. And I have a friend whose Mm. dad is like that as well. And so there are certain like Everest, like you're naming, but for women, I think there's just been this expectation of like keeping a nice house and presenting Mm. things in a certain way and being very responsible. And yeah, some of it is like for me with the dishwasher, I'm like, it doesn't get clean if like things are on top of you. Like it's about function. Like 
Mm -hmm. If you don't load it properly, you can't fit as much. It doesn't get as clean. Like there's a reason Mm -hmm. behind it. But also, I don't know. I think Martin doesn't necessarily care as much if there's like a little bit of oatmeal sticking to the bowl. (laughs) Like he's like, it's fine, you know? And is that just, is that nature? Is it nurture? You know, mm. how much is it maybe tapping into this sense of like, to be a good woman, my bowls must be smart, sparkling clean. You know, I don't, I don't know. But also, I, yeah, I don't know how much of it is a sense of always considering other people and how things mm. affect other people, mm-hmm. like in every realm of life. And so things become very symbolic. Like, mm. you didn't consider me when you, if Dave was leaving the shoes, You didn't consider me when you left your shoes there and I just tripped on them. And I'm always considering how things impact other people. Mm -hmm. I think that's a symbolism that arises a lot around consideration and respect. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting because sometimes when I get annoyed about small things like that, I take a step back and I think about the things that I do that Martin could get really annoyed at and doesn't. Mm. And so that all is very interesting to me because I do think there's something around consideration for others and entitlement as a human and how much people feel like they can like take up space and just think about themselves versus like trying to think about everyone else all the time. Yes. If we're seeking to communicate more responsibly and in a way that the other person can hear, yeah, the more we feed irritation, the more we act on it, the bigger it gets. And it's not that we want to ignore it, but it's that we want to see it like anxiety as a messenger. And so we don't want to act on all of our anxiety, just like we don't necessarily want to act on our irritation, that it is a skill of adulthood. You know, I wouldn't expect that so much from my 14 year old, although I certainly speak with him about it, but it's a skill that we learn to zip the lip, to hold it. And like I said, to see, is this something that's actually important, but also when we don't speak it in that moment, it tends to die down eventually, right? Even when Mm -hmm. it feels volcanic. Like I have to say something right now, but if we can discipline to keep, to hold it and then we hold it the next time and we hold it the next time while also being curious about it. So this isn't about suppressing. This isn't about denying or being a, a good little wife or a good girl. This is not acting from that place because we don't want to fuel that response. We don't want, we don't want to feed that fire. And we know whatever we water will grow, whatever logs we put on the fire, those are, that's going to inflame it. Hmm. And so like if we grew up with somebody who was irritated or angry a lot, we, we carry that in our download Hmm. and we don't necessarily want to replicate that. We know what that feels like to be on the other end of that experience, of that emotional outburst that seems like the person has no control over. 
but they also have not been practicing the discipline of holding it, just holding it and watching it and being reflective about it. And then from that place, the second piece is connected, which is to then come into our bodies when we are feeling more regulated and and have an ability to reflect, not in the moment, and be deeply curious about what might be underneath that is important to share. I know we said this already earlier, but um, what I want to say here is as highly sensitive people, we are picking up on everything, right? We are so porous. We have our antenna up like crazy. We are often empaths. We're feeling the energy, not just what's being done or said, but we're feeling into all of these underlayers. And sometimes what we're picking up can land as irritation in our bodies. I always feel irritation in my legs. I think I've shared Mm. that somewhere else. I don't know, but I always feel it in my legs. But it's a good place to start is where am I feeling this in my body? And to bring our attention there. And then to be curious about what might I, as we've said, be needing that I'm not saying and or what might I be picking up on in the other person that if I were to trust myself, I would know to be true. I would know that I am sensing something that's off in some way in my partner or my friend or my parent or whoever it is. That's something about their communication or their actions or even just their energy, even just what they're coming in with is not landing so well, right? And what would it be like to trust that? Can you say more about that? The idea of picking up on something from the other and like what you do with it from there? Yes. That's a good question. If it's a safe relationship, you bring it to the other person, right? This has come up in my friendships, not even, even certainly come up in my marriage, both directions, right? Dave and I are both so highly sensitive that he'll feel stuff in me before I'm aware of it. I'll feel stuff in him before he's aware of it. And sometimes it doesn't often, it doesn't come out in the most lovely way, right? And so then it's like reverse engineering. Okay, what what was actually underneath that? It just happened last night between us where I reacted to something he was saying in a not pleasant way and then got all defensive about it. Like, well, I was just feeling this. Like, aren't I allowed to feel this? And And he was like, whoa, you know, and we kind of locked horns, but then we got into our safer place and I was able to go underneath. And he was saying something was happening for you. It came out at me. And in our safe room, once we had established safety again between us, then I was able to, it just emerged from my body. And I, I just had this knowing in my body of, oh, 
had nothing to do with the thing. I thought, you know, what you were saying was triggering a really old place in me mm. of pain, like from my early years. So when we can, when we are in safe relationship, we can invite that in, in our partner. In friendship, it's come up where, I mean, I feel everything. I, I just, I feel everything. And it's what makes me a good therapist. I, I feel everything that's coming through from the other person. I feel it in my body. And in my friendships, there's something off in what the person, in what my friend is communicating. I can't hide it. I often I'll go silent. I just won't say anything. Mm. And then because I've been friends with my friends for 30 and 40 years, they're like, what just happened? No. <laughs> and I will try to find a way to skillfully and lovingly say, you know, that just doesn't land as true for me or – I'm worried that you're in that place where you're a bit off, you know, in this department. I mean, I won't go into specifics, but it it sometimes lands as irritation first mm. inside of me. Not with my clients, never with my clients, but with my friends, with my marriage, in my with my kids. It sometimes lands there first. And so it's sort of a different angle of irritation, right? Where we actually, where there is something in the invisible unseen field and the emotional psychological field that we're bumping up against. Mm. Yeah, I think this happened with me and Martin recently where he... Well, the opposite, I guess, but he seemed a bit annoyed and I actually was able to step back and go like, instead of getting annoyed myself or being like, I'm not even doing anything. I was able to go like, Hey, are you okay? Like, I feel like something, you know, I feel like maybe you're upset about something else. Mm-hmm. And that could be annoying to someone. <laughs> but I think in that case, it was like, yeah, something else was on his mind. Mm -hmm. And instead of escalating in some way, I didn't take it personally. I was able to step back and go, mm. oh, like I feel for you right now because I feel like something's on your mind mm. or you're stressed about something. And I think that is something that maybe comes more easily to some people than others. For me, like I'm historically <laughs> have been more reactive, taking things personally. And I think just over time in the safety of that relationship, I'm able to take things less personally, actually. Mm. Yeah. And feel into that underlayer. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. What would you say about a less safe relationship? Or, or just someone that you don't even really have a relationship with, someone 
in the supermarket or some or or someone that you do know very well, but you just you were like, eh, they can't they can't really hear me. I think it depends on the situation. So using irritation as a messenger, as as a guide, communicate form of communication. I can share an example. I was at the gym a couple weeks ago, and there's a lot of older folks at the gym, and I love that. And I was on the elliptical, and there's a row of seven elliptical machines. Okay, and I'm on one of them. The rest are empty. And this older guy takes the one right next to me. <laughs> and I am annoyed. Mm. I am annoyed. He's in my if he's in my space. I yeah. feel I mean if there was no other elliptical, fine. But I don't think he was even thinking I'm gonna go stand right next to the I think <laughs> yeah. he was just like in his world and he just, oh, I'll just step on this one. And I'm watching my reaction and I'm watching my good girl who doesn't want to offend him if I leave and go to a different one. But everything in my body was like, I do not want to be exercising right next to this person, right? If we have a choice these days, I mean, we're still in, you know, January and there's all kinds of flus and COVID and everything. Like, I don't really want you breathing right next to me. Yeah. And plus, I just don't want you right next to me. So, <laughs> and my body very clear and I'm wrestling, but the irritation is the most important piece for this episode. The good girl we can talk about some other time. Um, and I'm, I'm like seething. I'm like a bull. I'm like, <laughs> what do I do? And so, I listen to my body and I listen to my irritation and I get off and I go do something else for a couple minutes because I don't want to be off. You know, I'm still taking care of his mm -hmm. feelings. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to a different elliptical. I don't think he noticed any of it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of it registered. I had this whole drama unfolding in my head and so that's just an example of when you feel irritated in public, right? How one might respond. Um, even the people that you look up to the most spiritually mm. get annoyed. I think we have this idea that if you are an enlightened master, like the Dalai Lama surely never gets annoyed, but actually he does get annoyed. Or Thich Nhat Hanh or Pema Chodron or these people, surely if you meditate enough, you will never, you'll be in that state of Zen holiness. No, it doesn't happen that way. Mm. I love that because yes, I think irritation is something that we really try to not show. It feels so, it's not gracious. It's not, yeah, it doesn't seem enlightened or Mm -hmm. warm. It's the thing that most people, it's one of the things that we really try not to show. And so we judge ourselves and we assume that everyone else is just this like lovely 100% of the time, just kind and patient. And yes. I find, yeah, I can be quite irritable for anyone listening if, for what it's worth. <laughs> I can be quite irritable. <laughs> not that I think I'm up there with the Dalai Lama. 
the truth is that we're all human and for various reasons to whatever degree we'll all experience it at some point yes. so yes well thank you for bearing your irritation with me and thank me you. with you yes <laughs> um it is so a part of all of our lives and as always you know the gentler we can be with ourselves and the more accepting we are it's that great um paradox the softer i think we do become mm. thank you cheryl thank you victoria Thank you to Jarrett Farkas for the use of our beautiful new theme music. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe or follow, leave us a review, share it with a friend, and consider joining our Patreon, where we share regular bonus content and also host virtual meetups. Visit patreon.com slash gathering gold to learn more.